Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. coincide with Mark Wright's Crawley humiliating us but we are back bigger and better in 2021 ignoring that Leeds haven't won a game yet this year we're staying positive on today's show unfortunately we're going to have to touch on our current form uh, we're going to take a look at future whites we're joined by team talks James Marshman better known as Marshy Leeds and we're going to wrap up with an iconic game of the Wheel of Wotton believe us we're going to be keeping your spirits high Leeds fans don't worry on today's fan panel, we've got Matt M and Dan joining me. How are you doing, chaps? Yeah, good, thank you. Feeling a little bit positive? We're trying to keep our spirits up or are we a little bit down in the dumps? Positive today. A bit down in the dumps yesterday, but nothing. Um, a bottle or two of wine can't solve, I guess. <laughs> I saw plenty of that on social media yesterday. I think Leeds fans did turn to the drink after Brighton. Let's get stuck straight in. One of those stats that as soon as we saw it, we knew it was going to come back to haunt us, that Brighton have never won a Premier League game in January. Um, that makes it our third loss of 2021 as well, so it's not ideal. What did you guys make of the general performance and the result? Oh, it, was, it, was, it was a little bit worrying, to be honest. Um, I thought, I think you could always find excuses against Crawley, you know, the three substitutions, you know, the dip in performance in the second half. Um, but... Against Brighton, I don't think we can have any excuses, to be honest. I don't. Th I think we were second best for most of the game. We didn't really work the keeper, made a mistake for goal, Aileen switched off. 
Um, yeah, I just think the quality just wasn't good and the energy wasn't as high as it usually is um, or it didn't seem as high. You know, we weren't attacking as quick as possible. I think Brighton were quite comfortable and they played all the good football. And, yeah, I think that was the real disappointing aspect of the game for me. We didn't really look like scoring, and we usually do. <laughs> yeah, I think looking at it, I think our first shot on goal was the 65th minute. And I thought Bamford was so isolated up top. It's the first time I've seen that this season. I don't think he really got a touch at all, did he? Or very rarely. Uh, I've not seen the touch map of, of Bamford, but I know it wasn't great. But you've got to look at Bamford. He were up against three three pretty solid centre-backs as well. That just had him in his back pocket. You had Byrne, Dunk and Webster. Absolutely fantastic, all three of them on that day. And then you've got Ben White in there as well, shielding them three. It's not bad, is it, really, from from Brighton? But, yeah, there were a lot of, lot of, lot of um, excuses coming out, a lot of talk of the pitch and... And all that, and it's hindering our play. And as as a grounds of not seeing how Bielsa plays and, and all that, mm. I just think it's a lot of rubbish. I think you look at the time of the year. You know, it's January. We've just had a heavy snowfall in in Leeds and around the surrounding areas. You know, over the years the pitch was just non-existent. I don't think it's an excuse for me because Brighton played a decent game. They played the, the ball along the floor. They looked decent. And if you look at their goal as well, it was it was absolutely fantastic. If we would be doing that we'd be putting it on sale in the club shop from Monday because it was that good of a goal and there was no moan of the pitch being an issue for them whatsoever. And for us, we just massively overplayed it, heavy touches. It just, I don't know, it was, it was tough to watch at times because senior players were guilty of it. You like to Dallas's and Cooper. I think Aileen was outstanding again. I think it really suits him in that position. But you, again, he got so frustrated at times that he was bombing forward, wasn't he? And then leaving himself exposed and back, back, three, back four exposed. So, yeah, it was it was frustrating because especially after the Crawley game, we really thought we'd we'd put in a performance um, against Brighton on Saturday. Well, I guess that's one of the things. I like I think Ealing did play quite well, but as I said before I think you know he did switch off for the goal and that's what you can't afford to do um playing centre-back and like you say I think Aileen was getting a bit frustrated and trying to force moves forward and so I think if Lorente can get back fit now you know he's on the bench I think it'd be worth moving him in the middle and getting Aileen back to right back um and you know maybe Dallas getting Dallas back at left back and you know back to the formula that worked well for us because I think, you know, we were overplaying at times, but also we were playing a lot of long, straight balls, you know, which their centre-backs were also eating up. Um, you know, I just think it was, we, you know, sometimes when we go behind, we try and force it a bit too much. And I think Brighton kind of played the way that we play and they, you know, beat us at our own game, really. Um, so, you know, as Matt said, it's kind of fair play to them. I think what was disappointing is we just didn't really get anything going and when we did uh, it just broke down too early. We've kind of touched on it before on previous pods where we've mentioned if our wingers aren't playing how they can then we, we do struggle to kind of create those chances and that's when we get frustrated and start hoofing it forward and like you say with the defenders that they had you know big solid guys we were never going to be able to break them down that way. And I think, I mean, we, let's touch on Rodrigo because, you know, I think he's a key part of when it's not quite working from the wings, he needs to be creating it from from the middle. 
I think people are starting to question that price tag a little bit potentially you know his inability to hit the target is becoming frustrating he always seems to be half a second slower than he needs to be granted he did score against West Brom but it was deflected so how are you guys finding how you know what he's contributing to the team at the minute I think it's been a struggle for him. I think the price tag has, has, has been heavy, a heavy burden on him. I was listening to the, um, the pre-match show on BBC Radio Leeds and Adam Pope did a great interview with Rodrigo and he, spoke, he speaks really well and really passionate and he obviously wants to be here. And Pope actually did kind of push him on what his preferred position is and uh, he said that it was, to my surprise actually, I didn't, I didn't really think it would be, but he said his favourite position is playing off the main striker. And um, having seen him play for Valencia and Spain, um, leading the line for both club and country, um, and obviously when he came into Leeds, I think we did kind of see him as giving Bamford competition up top. He said, obviously, that's his preferred position, playing off the striker. And he's he's had that opportunity the last couple of games, not so much just off him, but still that kind of leading midfielder. And like you said, he's, 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 he's been a bit of a... He's had the foot off the pace at times, hasn't he? He's not been quick to react. I think there was, might have been a ball that went into the box yesterday and you'd expect a player of his calibre to anticipate it a little bit quicker than what he did. And I think even on commentary, it was highlighted the fact that he was you know, a little bit off the pace and if he would have got in there a bit quicker, he could have connected to it. So, yeah, I think we probably do need to start seeing the best of Rodrigo. And I think when you're the club's most expensive transfer... You know the fans will demand that because you look down the the years of the amount of money we have paid in in the Premier League days of of the players that were the most expensive and you know these were class players at the time so yeah a lot of lot of pressure on him um, and hopefully the second half of the season we we might see a better uh, Rodrigo but also just to add um, and I you know I've been guilty of forgetting this myself is he's had COVID this season as well um, and obviously it's quite knowledgeable in terms of the impact that can have on, on a person, on an individual, you know, could that be a reason as well? He is a little bit off the boil, I'm not sure, but it is something that does need to be considered with him as well, I'd say. I mean, the reality of the situation is that we've still got cock out. We are probably going to be another week or two without Llorente fit enough to play. He's likely going to be a first-team player. I mean, sorry to super-duper Liam Cooper fans. We'll come on to that in a bit because I think that's a wider conversation. And obviously, we were missing Calvin as well. Stroik, Strauch, whatever you want to call him, is definitely not that fill-in for Calvin, is he? I think, you know, as soon as he dropped back into that back four when we, we changed that later into the second half, he looked much more comfortable. But we still have this issue of not being able to replace Calvin when he's not available. Mm-hmm. I think this is... One of the issues I have with this squad in terms of the depth is like, um, you know, we have these players, oh, um, you know, Strike can play in this position uh, or, you know, Shackleton can play in this position. Realistically, we haven't got anyone that can play in Phillips' position, not anyone that can do it well enough for the Premier League. Um, and, it, you know, it does highlight the importance of Phillips. We already knew that, but it does. It even was so now. So you're right, Vic, like Strike's just a lost puppy in that midfield his, his passing's not good enough um and I don't think he got stuck in enough uh, you know I think it, it's we touched on it before but if you looked at Ben White in that position he was just a level above and obviously I know I'm not saying we should have bought Ben White you know we were priced out of it but um we have to look at that Phillips position and think because you know with the way Phillips plays as well what if he gets injured or you know, he's going to get suspensions. We have to be able to fill it. And 
Um, but yeah, I think bring getting two centre backs fit, getting Lorente or Cock back will be a massive boost for us. I think because as I've already mentioned, I'd like to get Aylin back on the right, and I'd love to see what that Llorente is about because we've not seen it at the minute. You know, he could be that calming influence we need on the ball at the back and just, you know, someone who's not going to force it too much, but play those forward passes, um, you know, and get Click and Rodrigo into the spaces, um, which, you know, we we were missing. I think, you know, Cooper and Aylin probably were too, a little bit too direct um, against Brighton. And, you know, um, yeah, I think getting these players back will be big. Um, I'm expecting to see a better performance looking ahead to Newcastle. I think they're, well, we've already showed that we can play against them. It'll just um, be, can we hit that level again? But um, yeah, we do, uh, change is needed, I think. We definitely need to freshen it up. I mean, I'm conscious that we said we were going to try and keep spirits high, but there is one more thing that <laughs> I think is, is concerning me a little bit. And I think, you know, a big factor is maybe the, the injuries that we've got. Um, but we're four months into the Premier League and we're still relying on a 35-year-old Pablo Hernandez coming off the bench to save our games. As a fan base, maybe not as a as a club, you know, Bielsa's maybe not thinking it through like that. But as much as I love him, we have to be able to live without him, don't we? And, and is that something that we need to be looking at either in the youth squad, in the transfer window? You know, Rodrigo De Paul is still on the radio, if you believe what Madrasani's been liking on Twitter. You know, what's the situation with that position? Because we can't just keep relying on Pablo forever. He seems to contribute more than what Rodrigo does in 60 minutes, in nine minutes, doesn't he, does Pablo? That's the that's the thing why we're calling out for him and we, we're crying out for him every game because we just need that creativity and that spark. And like say, even at 35, you know, he can still do it. And we all wish he were 21. We really do. But yeah, you know, obviously Rodrigo de Paul is heavily linked with us again because Radzvani is... Uh, going crazy with a like button on Twitter. So it depends. Is he a 40, 40, 45 million pound player? Is that going to be the answer? Because again, from what I've seen of Rodrigo De Paul, he can't play the Calvin Phillips role, can he? He's not that type of player. So it's all right spending 40 to 45 million pound on that type of player. But is he going to be able to sit in and, and, and hold that Phillips role or fix that problem? Because Adam Forshaw is another four years off from returning, um, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, Luke Murphy's doing quite well at Crew. Could be an option if we need to get him on a short-term deal. But um, I think, like Dan touched upon, and Vic, I think you have as well, the Phillips role needs to be top priority, in my opinion. Um, we touched upon Ben White. If Ben White played for Leeds United yesterday in that holding midfield position, we would have won. I genuinely believe that because um, he was absolutely outstanding. And he's an example of a centre-back being able to step into that central um, defensive midfield role and do it with ease and, and like Dan said Stroik is is struggling and you, you'd expect the Crawley game would have been a, a lesson to learn and look at and think didn't have a good 45 minutes against Crawley is probably not the answer um, against Brighton but like we've said there isn't that many options you've got the likes of Jenkins and and, and players like that in the under 23s but it doesn't seem that Bielsa trusts them to throw them straight into kind of a Premier League game of that calibre, does it? So, yeah, I think it is an area that we definitely need to strengthen. And obviously, Pablo, for me, can keep coming on and doing what he's doing, but he definitely offers a lot more than Tyler Roberts, that's for sure. Oh, to be fair, I thought Roberts did all right when he came on. I think he was one of our better players. I think that's what he came to. We're trapped I don't think it was right. hard. I thought, 
<laughs> I don't think it was hard to be a better player than any of the others, to be honest with you. I think we could have probably come on and done a couple of nice lollipops and a few sideballs, <laughs> and we'd probably get a higher sun rating of uh, 7 out of 10 than half the squad that were playing yesterday. I mean, Roberts was actually one of my positives for the game. Yeah, I was one of the people that mm. yeah, I was moaning when, when he was getting ready to come on and just saying, you know, like, how can this be what we resort to when we need to win a game? But in fairness to him, he linked the play well and he, he upped the tempo a little bit. So He wanted to get on the ball, didn't he? But he yeah. was running. He was like, he was determined. And I know that's usually not a problem you get with Leeds. Usually, you know, they look all, you know, it's high energy and stuff. But Roberts actually came in and injected that, even if the... A little bit of quality wasn't there in the end. At least he bloody tried. And, um, you know, because click in the middle, sometimes he is a little bit too slow for me. Um, if he's not, time. Yeah, I think the last... He started the season really well, but I think the last month or two, I just don't think he's offered enough in there. I really think... I'd love to see Shackleton get going there, even if it's playing in Phillips's position. Obviously, it's not now because Phillips is back, but... Give, give Shackleton that role because the energy that he brings, I always think we look a little bit better when he's on the pitch um, sometimes. But um try to think of other positives. Um, Kassir didn't f*** up. That was good. That was good. That's definitely um, positive. Yeah. Um, there, there was uh, nearly a moment, actually, when he fumbled it, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah. I thought he'd be a little closer. Rob Green, of all people, <laughs> actually commented on it and said how lucky he was. Did he not forget what he did in the 2010 <laughs> World Cup against America? Was it? I think it was. Yeah, it was too far, the 2010 World Cup, wasn't it? When it spilled through his hands and went over the line. Yeah. So, yeah. It, yeah. It, Jesus, my heart went when that happened, to be fair. I just want to jump back onto the um, the conversation about Rodrigo de Paul. You kind of said, actually, having a position that can fill in for Calvin should be a priority. Now... It depends, I suppose, on whether our intention or our hope is to keep hold of Calvin in the summer. And actually, as Bielsa, who, you know, teams are known for just essentially trying to outscore the opposition. If it comes down to having one big signing in that summer, do you think it's going to be someone that can fill in for Calvin? Or do you think it's going to be more of these attacking minded players like Rodrigo de Paul? I think you need someone to protect. If you're going to play expansive football, you do need a, a sitter, at least. You've got to do All teams have it. I don't think I... Even the great Barcelona teams of, of Guardiola's era had uh, Busquets sitting and Xavi Iniesta, Messi and players like that, Sanchez, um, Ronaldinho, whoever. You always had a sitter. And I think Calvin needs to be that player. But it's you're right. Is it, a, it could be a case of selling a big-name player to raise funds, perhaps. Um, but for me, I think I think it is an area that we do need to, to cover because Phillips is vulnerable to getting banned, picking up yellow cards. We've seen that this season. And when you've got someone like Adam Farshaw, who's, like we said, he's, I think, what did I say, four years, five years away, mm-hmm. you need you need someone in there. But just to, going back to players like Click as well, I was thinking this yesterday when I was just watching him just breezing through games and being slow, getting that second ball and overplaying it, and he just looked lethargic. For me, I think players like Click, he's very rarely gets brought off, isn't it? He always starts every game. I think I can't remember what the stat is now or what the stat was under Bielsa, but it was ever present. And I think when you know you haven't got a player knocking on your door and or pushing you or trying to get your place or take your shirt number or whatever they say, um, it kind of gets to a point where they'll just be like kind of gliding through games and just doing his his bit. And I think. 
Click probably is guilty of that at the moment because there's no player on the bench or that we can honestly hand on out and say he should start ahead of Click because there isn't. So I think more competition in areas is required that we're struggling with. And we touched upon it off air, but you've got players like Alioski out of position, Ailing's out of position, and it could have been a, a reason for the goal being conceded against Brighton yesterday because obviously predominantly he's, he's a right-back. He's played a right-back all all his life, and it's just probably just a natural reaction for him to stop, look, believing, you know, that he's not the, the last man kind of thing. And, yeah, it's, it's... What I'm trying to say is we just need backup in key areas. Um, and is well, Rodrigo yeah, de Paul that need... man? I don't know if yeah, he is. Yeah, what we need is... We do need another mid- central midfielder. I think we knew we needed one, Definitely. I think, before the um, transfer window ended. But, like... Um, it's it's just like what Matt said. I think we're playing, we're focusing too much on players playing in different positions and thinking, all right, we've got this utility man that can play everywhere, and it is useful. It's great to have, but you want someone that can play in the position really well, not someone that can just play there and do you half a decent job. Um, you know, say like Strike can. He's like, oh, Strike can play defensive midfielder. Well, he can, but he can't do it at the level at the minute anyway, that you need in the Premier League. And that's why, I guess, I'd, if going to your question, Vic, if you know if, if um, we could sign one person, I'd go for that world-class central midfielder, um, you know, box-to-box potentially, um, or, you know, attacking, because ultimately that's the way we play. And, you know, if Phillips is fit, he's going to play. So, but, you know, we need to start thinking about a plan without Phillips because we don't look a... We don't look half as good without him, um, but yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to get another attacking midfielder. I think in just a, someone like say put a bit of pressure on Click's place, um, and maybe even slot into like the Rodrigo role or Pablo role, um, you know, to push further forward because um, you know we need to keep being creative and creating those chances because at the minute it's if the wide men don't do it, like you say, we don't look like creating anything through the middle or scoring through the middle. I think uh, we talked about Phillips. You forget he was banned when we played Villa at Villa Park. Mm. And Stoic played in that holding midfield role, didn't he? And we were raving about it. You well, know, no, he got different. subbed. He got subbed after about 15 oh, yes, minutes. he did. He did. He yeah, did. Shackleton, Shackleton played it. Yeah. And, that's, and then I think Shackleton yeah, that... played it the next game and then got it was Leicester. Was it Leicester? And then he got hooked off as well, didn't he? It didn't work. <laughs> I don't know. So like, it's just a str- you know, you've got like yeah. one, one lad that's done it really well against Villa, and then you know he, he struggled against Leicester. But to be fair, the whole the whole team struggled against Leicester. You know, the way that with the way that they played. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a tough one. I guess that's why we're not paid to make those decisions. Well, <laughs> you know, we're not paid to make any decisions. So, <laughs> <laughs> have to help the 49ers put some money in the bank ahead of the summer. <laughs> that's um, We've got some fan reactions from you lot on social media after yesterday's match, so I'll just run through a few of them. Uh, Johnny Skittles says, Stroik was a passenger in the first half, didn't track anyone or put the F in. The amount of times he was jogging around the pitch infuriated me and too late to react to anything happening around him. Better when we moved to, when he moved sorry, to centre-back, but I'm shocked Bielsa didn't pull him in the first half. Mark Powers says, we've just hit a rough patch at the moment. January is never a good month for us and we have to keep the faith. It will all come good. 23 points at this stage is not a bad return for a newly promoted team. If you look at last year's table, we're on track to stay up, which I guess is the priority, isn't it, still? 
Um, Matt says too many players out of position need a settled defence and grind out four or five wins, starting with Newcastle. If we lose to a poor Newcastle team, it will be time to panic. And David Edwards says every cloud for me, it's my club for life, ups and downs forever and ever. David is very much the eternal optimist, I think. <laughs> um, what do you guys think to some of those comments? I think a lot of it's obviously what we've touched on, but it does just show there's there's quite a bit of imbalance between the fan base at the minute. I, I fully agree with Mark and David, believe it or not. I genuinely think we are we are where we are. We are where we anticipated. We are where we'd be happy to. 23 points after Christmas, January. I think, for me, it's, you know, you're 13th in the league. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'd take that. If you would have said, given me that in September when we started the season, every Leeds fan would say, absolutely. Maybe the plastic fans won't do this. And obviously think we're in the top four. The only thing that's starting to worry me a little bit, <laughs> and I was thinking this the, the weekend, is Sheffield United now have picked up a win. They're off the ground. And the, I know they've lost today at Spurs 3-1, but the signs there that it could potentially, could it be a great escape? Who knows? He, you know, he's done well with them since he's come in. I won't rule them out. And then Big Sam got a result at Wolves, you know, and I just think, is he getting them going again? Fulham have grinded out a few results. Brighton did us. You know, these are all teams below us that are starting to grind results out. When I look above Leeds, there aren't many teams that are really dropping like a stone other than ourselves. So that's my only concern, that we've had a good first half of the season. And let's hope Karen Carney wasn't right and we blow out <laughs> in the second half of the year because... Ever since that infamous tweet, we've not won a game. <laughs> I think my biggest, um, I think the reason why things get highlighted with us is because of the way we play. I think when we lose, it tends to be a lot more spectacular of a loss than most teams at the bottom. And I think, to be fair to Fulham, I've watched them a couple of times recently. And I was watching them at, towards the start of the season. I was thinking they're going to go down without fire here. They look shocking. Um, but they've sorted it out defensively and they're giving some good teams good games now. Like They, should, they probably deserve to get something against Chelsea with 10 men. Um, so, you know, we still, you know, th we're in a good position. I think that is the good thing. But, you know, it doesn't harm just looking over your shoulder sometimes and just thinking, right, we need to up it a bit more here. Because I guess if the goals do dry up for us, you know, if we don't start keeping... Um, start stop shipping goals for example then you know we could start thinking so I think it'd be good chance to you know just get a, get a, do the double over Newcastle and just you know after each win you just sigh a, a bit of relief and then start looking up again but yeah I, I agree I think we're in a good position um we just don't want to get too far into this rut I mean, dare I say it as well, I think the media play a big part in how fans are feeling. You know, whether we win, lose or draw, you know, leads, leads are good for business. So <laughs> we're yeah. all over the news regardless what happens. And, you know, it's, it's difficult to ignore it sometimes. So I think, you know, a lot of that goes in. We've had Sky today asking if the wheels have fallen off. You know, we lost 1-0 at home to Brighton. It's not ideal, but it's not mm -hmm. the end of the world. So, yeah, sometimes a bit of a reality check is good. Well, just on that, Vicky... Um... Obviously, Liverpool haven't scored a goal in, in the last three Premier League games and, and the, the big dogs at Sky are, and TalkSport are asking that question about of Liverpool's wheels falling off. So it is that, you're right, it is that digging at us and, and um, Leeds are a big deal and, and obviously Leeds sell 
and generate impressions and views and engagement. So that's why their headlines are, are there to make us bite, and, and we tend to bite, don't we? Because we take it personal. And that takes us nicely into a bit of a chat around 2021 so far. I mean, we've we've covered a lot of it, obviously, but. Uh, three games, three defeats, seven goals conceded and non-scored. Looks bad on paper, doesn't it? We know January is a difficult month. You know, you guys are still feeling fairly upbeat about it, but how do we pick up some points? Because, you know, that's the priority really, isn't it? Especially against Newcastle. Oh, I think, yeah, I guess it's a tough one, to be honest. we just got to get us, kind of just get our mojo back in a way. You know, we need to get that swagger back when we're attacking. Um, it needs to be a little bit quicker. We need to start moving the ball a bit quicker. I still think everything good at the minute for us is coming through Rafinha or like when Rafinha's having good moments. So, um, and Harrison, to be fair, but if them two are like, and, you know, teams will get wise to it. If you shut them two down, you know, you could probably get a grips with us in the middle, uh, isolate Bamford and stuff. So I just think we need we need to get Bamford in the goals again and just... Um, start playing that slick one-touch football again and you know we'll start scoring the goals I'm, I'm confident of that defensively i've touched on whether liam cooper should keep his place when cock and Llorente are fit i know this has been a bit of a controversial subject in the group chat so i'm keen, keen to hear kind of all sides of the argument for cooper versus Llorente because i think cock's pretty much a shooting when he's when he's fit it's difficult with Llorente to compare because he's not really had a chance as he? he's played 45 60 minutes against Chelsea and we've not seen him since. He's done a foreshaw. But um, you'd expect, me personally, I would I would think Laurenti and, and Cock is probably going to be the, the, the central defensive partnership for this second half of the season. I think they'll definitely be given a a try unless Bielsa starts playing free at the back, uh, which obviously did at Crawley, didn't he, with little effect with Phillips dropping in there. But... Um, it's a tough one, William, because obviously he's a captain that led us to promotion and kind of the stalwart through the, the football league days. And, um, you know, he's been through it. He's been through the ups and downs of this football club. But uh, in reference to the group chat, I, I've obviously, um, I do highlight some some uh, passes of play that he tends to do, which just seems to get unnoticed or never really gets flagged or any other player would do it. it you know, it's a... You see his name getting branded all over social media and group chats saying, oh, he's crap, is this, is that, is that. But Cooper can play a ball out of possession or overplay a ball or put too much pressure on a ball and lose his possession and he's out of position or whatever it be. And, and nobody bats an eyelid because he's, he's captain. Um, but it's costing us at times. There were times yesterday, second half, and we just started to get a bit of momentum and try to play these diagonal balls at Alder. Aldeverworld, Aldeverworld at Tottenham does with success. <laughs> yeah, he does it with success. He 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 always plays these diagonal long balls out, and they're fantastic. He's done it throughout his career at Spurs, and, and Cooper sometimes tries that, and he always goes out of play. And I'm I'm just begging someone just to kind of clip it all down and put it in a two minute compilation for me, and and just show that it's an area of his game that's cost us possession, especially when you get momentum because you need to keep hold of the ball. And I, I think Liam is kind of guilty of of giving it away at times, and um, I just feel like he's he's potentially another player like Click that could just do with a little break out the first team because there is players, Laurenti and Cock. If fit, you would expect with the amount of money we have paid for them to two centre backs would would probably be first choice in in the club's opinion, really. 
Well, I guess I'll have to act in defence of our captain. Um, <laughs> I thought, to be fair, I thought Cooper defensively was fine against Brighton, but I do agree about Matt's point of enforcing it sometimes. I think it is a definite game plan from us, you know, f- for the centre-backs to play these diagonals to get them out wide. Um, you know, but sometimes I just think... And to be fair, we might have been doing it against Brighton because, you know, we couldn't play the ball. Like, we usually we get it into Calvin, you know, to get us playing, to get it into click. Um, so, but yeah, I think I, I mean, I would probably say... We need to have a look at Lorente first. Um, it might be Lorente gets to go with Cooper for a bit, um, but yeah, I think I think it's a bit. It's a big season for Cooper as well. You have to realise it's his first um, go at Premier League football as well. He's learning. He's had a few injuries this season, um, but you know, like you say, you need your captain to be on it all the time, and um, you know, every, we know we can't afford to switch off in this league. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out once we do actually get some fit defenders. I think there's probably an element of, you know, he is captain, he brings this calmness to the team and it, it might be that, you know, the rest of the players feel more comfortable with him being there just because he's, you know, he's been there for so long. He's done a, a good job for us over the past couple of years, like you say, but whether he's a, a starting 11 Premier League centre-back, I'm, I'm yet mm. to be convinced, to be honest, but I wish him the best, absolutely. Um, we've got Calvin back from Newcastle, which obviously at this point in this current situation is quite a crucial game. So that's one thing. But what other changes are you expecting to maybe see for our trip up to St James's? I know in Bielsa, probably none. Calvin will come back in and that'll be it. Um, you might get, Melier might be back. I mean, the club have been a bit coy on if it's COVID or not. I presume it's COVID, but they haven't confirmed, have they? Um, no, but judging so, from his message on Instagram, it yeah. kind of alluded, didn't it? So I'm not, uh, you know, if he is fit, he comes back. But you know, Bielsa says he does trust Casilla. Um, probably the only person <laughs> in in Leeds that does. Uh, but um, yeah, to be honest, I can't see a lot of changes. I mean, we've already discussed that. You know, we'd maybe tweak it here and there, but I think he will. You know, he tends to show faith in the players through when they're doing well and when they're doing bad. So I expect Calvin and Melier to come back in and that'll probably be it. Um, maybe Llorente, but I think it probably depends on how he comes through the next week because, what's it, um, we've got a little bit of time now until we play Newcastle. So hopefully he can come through training unscathed and, yeah, we'll see what happens. I um, I think I think... I think Lorenzo will play. I think what is it, nine days, ten day gap between Brighton and Newcastle, isn't there? So it's a good time because he he is fit. He was in the squad, wasn't he? So well, he's fit, but he's not match fit. But I, I would anticipate he would start against Newcastle. I also think Pablo might get a, a first team spot over Rodrigo. If I'm honest, I think um, I don't think Bielsa's overly happy with Rodrigo is he? he brought him off at half time at Crawley he came off well, did he come off at half time yesterday 60 about minutes an hour in I think an, an, hour, about an hour yeah so I you might see Pablo I think so probably Pablo and Lorente for me and Calvin obviously you just reminded me obviously Dan of um, Bielsa's comments around because yeah you know he's, he's absolutely yeah. got his back hasn't he and that's oh, very yeah. much divided the fan base but yeah. you just wouldn't even put it past him of him seeing Kiko as being 
the starting keeper, would you? If mm. you think he, he just needs a run of games and if he has a few clean sheets, you just wouldn't put it past him for him to be the first choice. Yeah, well, it will be interesting if, um, I don't know, say Kiko does play against Newcastle and as a stormer, what he does then, um, you know, you can argue, you can, well, we can talk about it for hours, can't we, whether he should be a Leeds player, whether he should be at the club or not. But I guess now all you've got to do is just kind of hope that he's um, puts in good performances when he is playing. Um but yeah, it'll be an interesting one to see if he is in net against Newcastle because, um, you know, say if Melier is in isolation, he could be that could be another ten days. So realistically, he probably is. Eh? You know, he's probably going to be in net. So I guess that's why Bielsa is backing him. I don't think he's going to go and throw him to the throw him to the wolves as such. Throw him to the Leeds fans. <laughs> so um, yeah. Yeah, the club have made their bed with it from a moral perspective, haven't they? So yeah. I think at this point it's just whether he performs or not when he gets his chances. Yeah. It's a difficult one. You've got to get behind him when he's playing, but you can't help but think about the wider situation. Um. Anyway, we put the question around changes out to the guys on social just to see if you had any thoughts about what you might expect or want to see. Mark Ram says he doesn't care as long as Strike never plays in midfield for Leeds ever again. Um, Ashley Johnson says just get KP back and we'll be sorted. Sam Bishop says that Click looks tired and Rodrigo should be doing more up top to support Lord Bamford. And Roger Marsden says Martin in for Casilla and Hunter Maidley at the back, if only, eh? Um, I mean, we're obviously hoping for a similar performance and a result against Newcastle that we saw at Ellen Road last month. Was it November? Can't remember. Are you guys expecting that to be the case? Or do you think, given our current form, I, this sounds bad, but they might drag us down to their level and make it more of a battle? Well, Andy Carroll scored, hasn't he, now? So I'm a bit worried he's going to batter us. He's <laughs> <laughs> finally got that monkey off his back. He's got That's his first on the goal. cards, ain't it? it Andy is, Carroll at set pieces against Leeds. Bloody hell. <laughs> I'm not yes. betting this year. That's one of my New Year's resolutions. But I think I would be on if I was. <laughs> yeah, I think it could be a bit of a grind against Newcastle. I'm not going to be expecting another 5-0 because you'd think they'd be a bit more savvy to it. And, you know, like they were in the game for a long time, actually, when we did play them. Um, could have had a penalty. They argued whether it was, I don't know. But... Um, you know, I, I reckon it'll be a difficult. I think every game's going to be difficult. Um, you know, until we get out of this little patch we're in, but it is a good game for us to have. I think. Um, you know, we know we we can beat them, and we kind of know they're not in a good place as well. Um, I think you mentioned earlier, Vic. It's not really one we want to be losing because you know, with the way the Geordies are at the minute, I think <laughs> Leeds fans will go into a bit of a meltdown if we lose that one. This season, we've partnered up with The Terrace and you can get 15% off all their merch at terracestore.com. So fill your basket with the quality LUFC gear and add RITGK15 at the checkout to get your discount. Enjoy! So on this day in 2006, the one and only Gary Kelly pulled off a wonder goal against Wigan in the FA Cup third round replay to tie the game 3-3. Unfortunately, Leeds went on to lose the game on penalties, but 15 years later, we're still raving about this special goal. Come on, Leeds! Yes! Get out! It's in the... Oh, yes! I can't believe it. Get in there, Leeds! What a goal from Gary Kelly! It's amazing! What a pearler from Gary Kelly! It's Tom Corner, I told you! 
as long as White shirts on the back, we've got a chance in this game. How much it means to you. We've got a chance in Look at the goal, though. I'm a football man. Look at this. Bang! Take that! Oh, get in there. I tell you what, never, ever, ever rule out the mighty white gods that are Legion United Football Club. Look at the fans. Yes! Never, ever, you keep knocking us down. We'll keep bouncing back. With a lot going on in the Legion United under-23s and under-18s, we thought we'd get our future Whites correspondent, Chris McMenemy, on the line to give us an update. Well, let's crack. Unfortunately, I feel like I have to start with the Crawley game. Um, it was... I thought it was definitely. I know Bielsa said that you know we, we've got to play the younger players, and you know he felt like he owed a few of them minutes, but the changes didn't seem right at the time. The system, I, like I know it's just three three one three, but it just nothing seemed right throughout the game. Even from before kickoff, when you looked at the team, it was just yeah. Um, I thought it was very tough on Jenkins and Greenwood, especially because it was their debut. They're both very talented, but I just like they were just thrown into a bad situation. And games like that, you have to rely on your big players, like Phillips and Alioski, etc. Like they, they just weren't there, and you know most of them were empty shirts for that game. Um, Jenkins came on at half time. I thought he looked quite shaky. I think everyone thought that. You know, the first few minutes. He lost possession the first couple of times he got the ball, but then he just sort of settled back into the game, which is as good as it could probably get. I know I know it was after we were 2-0 down, but it's probably not much more than you could expect in a, on a day like that. Um, Ollie Casey came on at halftime with him. Like He's only had three appearances, but I think the best thing for him would be to follow sort of Ryan Edmondson, etc., and go out on loan. I think he needs to play some first-team football. You know, under-23s isn't going to do him much good. Um, I think he's quite slow, uh, especially for the second goal. He he was way off the pace. And he's probably he's not at the, le- the level that Leeds need him to be at. So I don't think under-23s games is going to do him much good. I would send him out on loan. And Greenwood, um, everyone was really looking forward to seeing Greenwood play. But I think, you know, a 2-0 down and, you know, even at... Even with you know half an hour left, it didn't feel like Leeds were getting back into that game, and he came on at number ten, which is where he, he's playing as sort of a number ten for the the twenty threes, but it's a different system, and you know he's used to playing behind players who are all functioning at a high level and are all playing very very well at the level that they're playing at. But Leeds, I just thought it was a mess. Jack Harrison up front was a disaster. Like a, he's not a centre forward. So he wasn't really going to do anything in that game, Greenwood. Um, I think if he'd come on and turned that game around, we'd all have been talking about him as the next Messi. Like it would have been such a, such a comeback. But you know there wasn't really anything to talk about from his performance, and I think the best thing to do would just be to write it write it off as a bad day for everyone. Yeah, I think one of the questions that I had, and I guess this is really for all of you, not just for Chris, but with the Crawley game, you know, Bielsa had talked about us having to give respect to the tournament and to the match itself, which I absolutely understand. But for me, it made so much more sense to start with the youngsters and have the power on the bench if you needed it, rather yeah. than, like like you say, Chris, them kind of coming into this minefield expected to turn it around, which yeah. was just such a demand on them, let alone, you know, this being one of their first FA Cup games for the first team, but they were coming on to rescue the game. 
Yeah, I mean, if they had a set at halftime, okay, we'll bring Greenwood on for Rodrigo. That would have made a bit more sense. I know he's been playing more as a number 10, but like he is an out-and-out forward. Like he, he was lethal at the start of the season. But to bring on Jack Harrison and then to bring Greenwood on after the hour as a number 10, it just, with Hernandez already on the pitch, it just didn't really make any sense. But I think it kind of summed up the day. It, it It's just one I think we'd all like to forget. Agreed. <laughs> then, yeah. Well, in slightly, slightly better terms. Uh, on Monday, Leeds travelled to Burnley. Um, it's a big game. You know, we weren't expecting to see many of the the first team involved, and we didn't really. I mean, I'm not going to consider Sam Greenwood a first teamer just yet. So, to win four one, it's a really big result. It keeps them top of the league. Um, the big thing to talk about from that game was Crescencio Somerville coming back from injury. Um, he's been sort of on off injured most of the time he's been here. He played a few times sort of before November, but he's been struggling with injury ever since. And you would have expected him to just quietly ease his way into the game, but he was lightning. He was absolutely brilliant. Uh, Greenwood got the first goal early enough. A scrappy one, it looked like it took a deflection. Should He probably shouldn't beat the keeper, but anyway. Um, around half an hour, Greenwood scored... Or not Greenwood, sorry. Somerville scored twice in six minutes. Uh, the second one was absolutely brilliant. It was a sort of a big diagonal ball from Casey from, from Cresswell, sorry, before um, Somerville took the ball and then he played two one twos with McCarran and Camwa, and then just like, the keeper just didn't really know what was going on and he beat him quite easily. Uh, then he had his hat trick at the end in, in the ninetieth minute. Um, pure strikers poacher finish. It was really really nice. Um, Max Dean broke down the right, cut in, shot, and Somerville was just there. He'd switched on to the left wing at that point. Um, out of that game, big performance for uh, Leeds in general, but I thought I would give Jeremiah Chilicoa Mullen a shout-out. Um, he's only 16. He's been playing with under-18s. He's been sort of in, in the under-23s game when they've been struggling for numbers. He played at centre-back with Cresswell uh, for full 90 minutes, and I thought he was probably one of the best players in the pitch he looked really good in defence um, and pretty comfortable on the ball as well, he's a big lad so he's not ever going to struggle with the physical side of things and he's definitely one to keep an eye on for the future I'd say Would you would you put him down to your player to watch this year then Chris? No, I think I think Cresswell, I think the first time I was on here I was actually quite, I thought it was quite harsh on Cresswell, he, he wasn't very good against Hull and that sort of October, early November period, the 23s struggled defensively. They were conceding a lot of goals. But since the last international break, uh, he's been absolutely brilliant. I think he's pro- probably been the best player in the team. Um, despite you know the amount of goals that Leeds have scored and the first teamers that have been there, I think every game you just see him and he's a serious physical presence. Uh, he's got all the traits you want as a defender. His, his range of passing is brilliant with both feet as well um, and he picked up that assist on Monday with a lovely diagonal pass and I think for me he's moved above Ollie Casey in the pecking order You know, another few months in the 23s will do him really well between now and the end of the season for me he's, he's kind of a he's a Pascal strike you know, someone who's going to excel in the 23s and sort of quietly work his way onto the, the first team bench you might see him a few times, but I'd say maybe another eighteen months or, or so before we ever see him in a, 
strike capacity in that, the first team at the minute, but he's definitely one to watch the, the rest of this year. You might see him. You never know. Hopefully, ho- hopefully there aren't too many injuries, but you never know. I don't think he's too far away. Just, just on, just on players breaking through. Then, Chris, um, obviously, you know, Stevens, you know, Ryan Edmondson and Robbie Gotts have all been recalled from their loans, yeah. haven't they? And they've been, they've been reloaned out to to respective clubs. Yeah. You know, what's your thoughts on that? What's the, what do you think the clubs? Um, thoughts on that because for the likes of you know Robbie Gotts as an example is is top of the league one with 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 um, Lincoln. Oh well, yeah. I think they are top. Of, I'm not sure they're looking at the, the league this, the this weekend. Yeah. yeah, so obviously yeah. they're performing well in, in 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 a decent decent level of of league and obviously the top there and he's been recalled and sent to Salford. So you know what what do you think the the reasoning is behind that? Um, Gotts was the one that made the least sense to me, but I, the only the trying to make sense of it, you would say that it's he's not playing every minute. You know, he's not playing every single week. He's he started a few games. But he's played it right back a few times, and he's played a sort of a centre midfielder a couple of times. But he's coming off the bench quite a lot. So I mean, you would look and say, "Oh, he's made sixteen appearances. That's really good." But he's not playing it, you know, ninety minutes week in week out. Um, that's the only reason I can think that he would have been recalled. I think Lincoln were quite happy to have him. You know, if you if you follow their fans and their social media, anytime his name mentions is mentioned, he's Seems to be thought of quite well there, so dropping down a league to Salford, you know, all I can think of is that it's so he gets more minutes. You know, he played seventy nine minutes yesterday against Newport in midfield. So you know, maybe Salford have said we'll play him week in week out. We'll play him as a midfielder. We know that's what you want, and that's um, that sort of forced leads into making a decision. The other two. That have been recalled. Jordan Stevens, that one sort of uh, it played out publicly, and I didn't think it was too nice. But sometimes it's you know it's the the kick up the backside a player needs. I think um, Stevens, you know, he's away to Bradford. He was at Swindon for the first half of the season. He started quite well. You know, he scored a goal and got an assist early on, and it was all all looking rosy. But then uh, John Sheridan, former Leeds, came in to manage at Swindon, and. He just sort of stopped playing him, and you didn't see him that much. He, he made five sub appearances under um, under Sheridan, but I don't think you ever saw him seeing some Stevens as a a first team player. And then whenever he left, he was asked about it, John Sheridan, and said that he questioned his attitude and said he needs a little bit more fire in the belly. Which I mean, coming from from John Sheridan, who you know barely gave it 100% on the training pitch. I know he was a fantastic <laughs> player. It, it's really something. But, you know, attitude and it, wanting to play every week and wanting to be 100% every time you're on the pitch is the bare minimum you'd expect from a young player. So if he's not showing that, you know, maybe the 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 words from Sheridan and then dropping down the League 2 with Bradford might be what he needs. Um, Bradford haven't played since, Christmas, since just after Christmas. And they play next week. So you'd like to think he'll make his debut then. I think Stevens, you know, he is still young. He's only 20, but Paveda's there and Somerville's there and the first team already, you know, you've already got Rafinha and Costa and um, Jack Harrison. So the pecking order is, it's starting to get quite long on the wing. And I think he needs to buck his ideas up if he wants to be part of the term 
the long-term plans at the club. But I don't know. I think a big second half of the season and he can come back in the summer and then see then. But, you know, it's sooner rather than later, I think, for Stevens, or he could end up on the chopping block. Well, yeah, he came, came from Arsenal, didn't he, with kind of a bit of a high high reputation, very promising. And then I think you touched upon there of his off-field issues that he's had. Um, so I think the club are are looking to, to give him a, a hoping that he does have a good second yeah. half of a season because, like you said, I think it could be last chance saloon at Leeds and yeah. it's not often, you know, it's only a handful of our players have actually been loaned out. So it's a good chance for him to kind of learn his trade and really show everyone what he's about because obviously he's come through the Arsenal Academy. So he's he's obviously got something about him. Yeah, so that's going to be key. Bryce Hosanna is at Bradford. He's done quite well, although he's, yes, he's, he's he been has. very injury prone. And McCalvent is at Oldham and has been playing mm-hmm every week and scored a few goals and set up a few goals so they're both league two you think you know i know league two is the fourth tier but it's it might be as good as it gets at, at this rate for some of these young lads and i think it's like you know just go out play every week and if you play really well in league two you know you might get a championship move the year after and if you do well in the championship then you never know i think i'll just try I was just trying to think, sorry Chris, I was just thinking when you were just on about that, I can't actually remember, and like you guys might know, I remember, but a player, a young player from our academy that has actually gone out on loan, got a good 20, 30 games under his belt for a club, done really well for him, then come back into Leeds first team. All I can think of is Jermaine Beckford, but he wasn't really classes. he yeah. wasn't really an academy player at the time, I think he was in his early 20s when he went to Scunthorpe and had that great season, but I can't remember... Charlie Taylor, Sam Byram, Mowat Cook, they all came through the academy. I don't think any of them got loaned out. It's a tough um, one, Delph never did. He went straight into the team. Yeah. Halton came straight into the team. I think it's a different situation now, isn't it, as well, that we're a yeah. Premier League team. Like, it's an even bigger challenge for those young players coming sure. through. But yeah. I think, like Chris says, you know, we might have one or two that we end up seeing on the bench a little bit more through the season. But... The reality is, if they go to League Two, they've still got to play week in, week out, like they're playing in the Premier League. Otherwise, you know, they're just not going to get those opportunities. Attitude's a massive thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think like now the academy is so well looked after, and it's mm. it's almost a priority for the club. But you know, five ten years ago, it was fight or flight. You know, the players coming through were the creme de la creme, like the the, the Phillipses and Moet and, and Fabian Delph before that. Whereas now it's everyone sort of seems to have a fighting chance of coming through. That's why we've got such a like a deep under twenty three squad and the under eighteens are struggling a bit. But I think like that's why you see in players go out and loan now. We didn't we didn't see this whenever Bielsa first came in. But yeah, definitely for for Stevens anyway. I think he needs a big six months. I'm Richard Naylor. When I'm sat at home watching our promotion from League One on DVD, there's nothing better. I like doing the reading and listening to writingthegallykellys.com. So we're joined now by James Marshman, or Marshy Leeds as he's better known. He's the editor of the very popular and original football gossip website, Team Talk. You all well? Good, thank you. Yeah, good, mate. Good. I think we've got over yesterday. We've got Keep it out of positive. Yeah, we've got through <laughs> it. Oh, yeah. Well, it's painful, wasn't it? 
yeah. was. What did you make of it? Because obviously it's you know third loss this season, uh, this year, sorry, so far. But yeah, you know, we were kind of talking it through, and I think the more you talk about it, it's kind of like therapy. The better you feel about it's, it. It's therapeutic, isn't it? To be <laughs> honest with you, it, it's kind of like we've done this every January under Bielsa. We did it in the first year. We played five in Jan. This is January 2019. We played five, won two, lost three. So we had a terrible run then. Um, the year after, you'll you remember this all, it's still fresh in my mind anyway, we played four, only won one and lost three. And there was that, this time last year, we'd lost at home to Sheffield Wednesday and everyone was thinking, oh God, it's not happening again, is it? And then this year, obviously, we've lost three in a row, the Spurs game yesterday, and then the cup game sandwiched in the middle. So it's kind of what we do under Bielsa. And I don't really think, if you look at the bigger picture, I don't think there's too much to be alarmed about, really. You, you've got to look at the season overall. Where we are, we're all happy at where we are. We'd have taken this at this stage if you'd said before the season kicked off. And to be honest, I think we'll pick up a win in our next game. We've got like a 10-day breather and I think we'll win next time out. I honestly do. So I'm not panicking at all, really. Good, good. It's good to be positive. I mean, yeah, you say we've got Newcastle next in 10 days. So we've got a little bit of time before then to kind of gather our thoughts and get over the past couple of weeks of any negativity that's lingering in the back. We've obviously got Calvin back for Newcastle, but it's a big game, isn't it? We need three points from that. We do. I mean, I'd say the the, the main aim is don't lose because if we lose, it, it kind of draws them in a little bit closer towards us. So, I mean, a draw is fine, but I'd back us to go up there and win because we saw... Ellen Road, we we can take them to the cleaners, and I don't know a little tinkering with the team sheet. Obviously, Calvin will be straight back in. I perhaps think about changing the defence around again. I like Luke Aileen at centre back, but he's so much better at right back, isn't he? So I'd be tempted to just tinker with the defence a little bit and just get players back where they're familiar playing, and yeah. unfortunately get strike out the side because. Yeah, I don't mind him as like a defender, like a third or fourth choice defender, but I don't think he can play centre mid at all. No, it didn't go down too well for us uh, against Brighton yesterday, unfortunately. He did look a little bit more comfortable when he dropped back into centre-back, but yes. we were kind of having a similar conversation depending on whether Llorente is fit, whether we kind of drop back into that, you know, more of a standard back four um, and switch Luke Aylin back to his right-back position where he's obviously much more comfortable, but... You know, we've got to kind of see who's fit, I suppose, haven't we? It's a bit of a, a tricky situation where we're trying to have lots of utility men, as the guys have been chatting about. But um, So is that kind of the only changes that you're expecting, potentially, for Newcastle? And, um, yeah, I think so, depending on the fitness. Yeah, I'd like to see Llorente play. I mean, he's come with such a, a big reputation, really, and, and he was brilliant in Spain for the last couple of seasons. So we've not really had a chance to see what he can do. We've had, what, 80 minutes of his, you know, at at Chelsea. We've not seen him before or since. So I really want to get him in the team, to be honest, because I think he's absolutely made for the Bielsa sort of model, really. He'll bring the ball out at the back. He's comfortable passing. He's a good tackler and a reader of the game. And I just think he'd be the perfect foil for, like, Liam Cooper right now and bring out the best in him. Uh, Marsha, do you expect to see Lorente and Koch as Bielsa's first starting centre-backs then, long-term? Yeah, it's a really tough one, that, because as far as I can tell, they're both right-footed and I think he likes the balance there with Liam. Um, so I think it, it, it's Liam is definitely always going to be in the side and then it's going to be one of... When we're playing a, a back four anyway, I think it's going to be one of um, uh, Koch or Llorente. To be honest with you, I, I think he, I think he'll stand by Cooper. 
I just think he has that balance as well. And, you know, he's not everyone's cup of tea, Cooper, but he's the leader, isn't he? And he's not going to get dropped unless he's injured. We were saying something similar that, you know, regardless almost often of his skill and whether he's a worthy of starting for a Premier League, he, he has that stability and obviously being captain, the rest of the club kind of look to him and probably feel more comfortable when he's on the pitch as well. Definitely, I think so. I, I, I just think he, he's a shoe in really. I know he's got the odd mistake in him and, you know, he might drop the odd clanger here and there, but to be honest with you, he is, he's, he's a leader of that side and, you know, without him, we, we do miss him. I, I would say he's like the, the first name on the defensive team sheet when he's fit. And then it's just who, who plays next to him. Cock did really well until he got injured. Um, and Llorente, I just think he'll be, I think he could eventually take that position long term. Just about fitness for him, which is a bit worrying at this, at this <laughs> stage. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, last time out, we um, won 5-0. And I'm sure we'd all like to see... A similar result again, although I think we all think it's going to be a little bit more scrappy this time, plus the fact we haven't scored yet in 2021. Do we think that's a factor or do we think actually the way we'll play suits a team like Newcastle so we'll still get plenty of chances to convert into goals? Yeah, I could see us getting at least two up there. I'm not not concerned at this stage about the attack. I don't think it's a big issue, to be honest with you. I think we'll, um, I think we'll find our rhythm again at Newcastle. Ten days rest. And I just think, you know, we might need to think about the balance of the side as well. I wasn't totally convinced by Rafinha being on the on the right-hand side, uh, sorry, on the left-hand side and Harrison being on the right. I just think Rafinha always looks better as an inverted winger playing on the right wing. Yeah, so, cutting inside, isn't it? Definitely. He looks so much dangerous when he can cut in on that left foot. Definitely. But also, like, when I think when you bring him inside... It releases whoever's playing right back, gives them loads of space as well. And I think you mentioned, Marsh, you get Ailing back on the right. Him and, um, you know, that'd look, I think that'd look a lot better. Well, was, they um, were, yeah. Sorry, go sorry, on. Go on, mate. I was going to say they were developing quite a good understanding, weren't they, really? Um, and if you think back to, say, the Everton game, um, the, the Rafinha was brilliant that day and he just sort of yeah. developed a good understanding with the overlapping fullback. So it just it works well when he's on the right-hand side. Yeah, I was going to say, um, any transfer rumblings, Marshy? Anything, anything dipping you in, know, you dip I, in the market? <laughs> we, we've got a couple of um, sort of contacts at, at Team Talk and, you know, they're not always right that what they will do is they're fed the information from the player's agent. Now, whether the player's agent is just trying to generate interest for their client, mm. we don't always know the full story, but when they say... You know, when we get the sort of transfer source, when we get that as like Team Talk has been told, it, it, it's come as a sort of bona fide like source from via the agent, really. So we have to take their word for it, really. But no, there's, it's been really quiet this month, especially as far as leads are concerned. And I'm not 100% sure they'll do anything. I, I think they're sort of keeping their eye on the market for like two or three targets they might have. And if they become available, they might make their move. But it would not surprise me if we go through the month without doing really any business. A bit worrying, really, because I'd like a midfielder to sign. Yeah, it's exactly what we were just going through. On You know, we'd love another central midfielder, I think, just to add a bit more competition in there, a bit we're more crying depth. We're crying out for it. He's, he's turned to kind of Shackleton in the past, and I don't quite think he's up to Premier League level at this stage. And we just don't have anyone to fall back on, do we? And every yeah. time Calvin's out, we just look so much weaker. 
uh, and you know, click, bless him, he's like running his heart out, but he, he's just he, he looks like he's jaded and needs a bit of a rest at the moment and a bit of competition as well. It's just good for everybody. He, he, um, he knows, doesn't he, that he's got no competition. But if we were to bring in someone who could sort of, you know, a, a number eight, really, someone who could sort of compete with Click and just offer a bit more of an all-round midfield game, it'd just give us more options and a chance to give, like, Click a breather. Yeah, we were saying similar in that, you know, he, he went nearly 100 games, didn't he, where he was starting for us. And then this season started so well. And, you know, the past couple of months, it's whether he's been, like you say, jaded, if he's just had this knock of confidence, or if it is down to the simple fact he knows he's got no one breathing down his neck for his shirt. A bit of everything. And I think there's also a bit of um, sort of disconnection, really, with Rodrigo. It's almost like if you think Calvin sits quite deeper and then you've got Rodrigo almost like a number 10, really, it's kind of... It's left a little bit with Click by himself in the middle and sometimes he finds himself a little bit overrun. It's not necessarily his fault, but I think, you know, when Calvin's out, we just need some another midfielder to come in, not Pascal Stroike, who just offers a little bit more going forwards and, you know, and can give Click a helping hand. I think that's partially what he needs, a bit of help. It's funny you said that. I had this conversation with one of our friends the other day when he was saying when Calvin drops back a little bit deeper, it's really difficult to still have that connection with Click and then obviously to, to Bamford and whoever else is playing up top because Click doesn't play facing his own goal. He's, he's always facing forward. So yeah. it, you end up having too much of a gap between Calvin, the defence and Click. That and that's exactly, where we end up with losing the ball and, and bringing those attacks on ourselves, really. That, that's exactly it. And if you look at the sort of the home defeats we've had so far, it has been teams who are really capable of, explo of exploiting that. Leicester being the sort of absolute classic team. Leicester did a proper number on us and we were, you know, we were badly beaten that day. Um, but when you think back to sort of yesterday against Brighton, I don't know, they, they just got their tactics right, really. They had... Ben White, who can sort of really bring the ball forward and exploited that space that we do have there. There is that space there, and you're right. That's that's where the sort of discord is really between sort of Calvin when he's not there and Click. He just needs help, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so probably not expecting many people, if any, to come in. Are you expecting anyone to go out, whether it's on loan or permanently? I think only the kids, really. I, I, I couldn't see us weakening our squad. Uh, we certainly wouldn't be accepting any offers for any of the, the sort of first 15. I mean, he, he quickly, didn't he, Bielsa? He quickly got rid of the rumours about Tyler going out. He, he was perhaps the only one you could have seen departing. But, you know, he, he still clearly trusts him. He brought him on yesterday when we needed a bit of inspiration, didn't he? He brought Pablo on as well, but... He still likes he still likes Tyler Roberts. Um so he was perhaps the only one I could have seen leaving, but no, I think if there's any departures it'll just be some of the youngsters going out. Perhaps Shackleton if we could bring in another midfielder, but no, I don't think so. So team talk, Matt and I um, were chatting a little bit earlier and saying we remember it well, kind of right at the beginning of Twitter when it was such a good space and a really good like forum for Leeds fans in particular to get chatting and you personally obviously used to respond and be involved in a lot of those conversations. It's obviously come a long way since then. It's, it's very popular. It's got lots of amazing content on there. What's kind of going on with the site at the minute? What are you looking forward to kind of moving forward with it? Yeah, well, obviously, January is our sort of busy time of the year because our, our focus is very much transfer related. We we have, you know, that's kind of our 
uh, SEO really. It's what we, it's our, you know, what's the, what's the phrase I'm after? Our unique selling point, our USP is like transfer news really. So January and the months leading up to it are always busy. So it's, you know, we've got a busy time at the moment. Uh, we've just sort of launched a new section of the website. Um, every week we sort of pick out an upcoming player in a feature called the Scout. Uh, so that's our on-site every Thursday. We've had a couple of leads, lads folk featured in there. We've had Joe Geldhart and we've had uh, Sam as well up front. His name's just escaped me. Um, Sam Greenwood. Greenwood. Yeah, Sam yeah. Greenwood. We've had focus on him and that was quite timely, actually. It was just before his debut at Crawley. So we've got a weekly feature on like upcoming players around sort of not just the Premier League, but around Europe as well. Um and then as well, we've just sort of opened up a new section on the website. Beneath every story, you can sort of talk about the story itself, whether you think it's a load of rubbish, whether you agree with whatever um, the story might say. We've got strong emphasis on pundits. Um, so, you know, right on site right now, we've got uh, bits and pieces around sort of the uh, game at Anfield this evening. Yesterday, we had uh, some reaction from Jermaine Beckford, who'd spoken about the league's defeat so we're quite big on pundits as well and what they have to say they generate quite a lot of traffic for us i can imagine people uh, especially leeds fans like to talk about what pundits have been saying as i'm sure yeah, you're aware. it's funny actually it's um yeah uh, and and anything you know people get annoyed if someone like I don't know. Danny Mills seems to work a lot of people. It's like if Danny <laughs> Mills says something, it's like, oh, what does he know about Leeds? He's not really qualified to speak in a way. He's not got any sort of inroads into the club as such, but it's his job. A pundit's job is to create talking points and debate. And if they're doing that for whichever organisation they work for, and again, if they're doing it within a story on Team Talk, then it kind of ticks the box really for what we're after. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like you've got loads of amazing stuff going on. So everyone listening to this, make sure you head over and have a look at Team Talk's website. Final question for you, Marshy. Prediction yeah. for our position come the end of the season? I think where we're sat now, which is around the sort of 12th to 13th mark, is where we'll end up finishing. Um, I was just looking at the table before and you kind of look at where Wolves are and they've absolutely fallen away since they've lost Jimenez. But the quality of them suggests they'll finish higher than us, you would have thought. Um, so, uh, you know, if we're finishing above and around the likes of Newcastle and Palace, then we've had a good season. Um, I think the bottom three is, well, certainly the bottom two is probably nailed on at this point. Um, and then the last relegation spot, I don't think we'll be anywhere near relegation. I think we'll, fit, you know, more than collect enough wins and finish around the sort of, 12th, 13th mark and anything above that is a massive bonus. We'll, we'll take it. And the whole aim this season was survival and I'm pretty sure we'll do that. And then in the summer, consolidate, build, and I'm sure we'll get a couple of exciting bodies in the summer again and be stronger for it next season. Absolutely. 12th, 13th sounds good to me. Um, thank you so much for joining us. It's been fab chatting to you. You're more than welcome. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for the invite. It's competition time, and thanks to our good friends over at the Terrace, you can win a £25 voucher to buy some of their brilliant Leeds United merch. To win, all you need to do is identify who this mystery ex-Leeds United player is. I was just a young lad at Leeds. 
Oof, it's a tough one. So tweet us at RITGK if you think you know who it is, and we're going to pick a winner at random. Also, don't forget that you can get 15% off everything at theterrorstore.com by adding our own exclusive code RITGK15 at checkout. Good luck. The Wheel of Wotton. So back by popular demand, and we've had way too much fan mail about bringing this back, it is the Wheel of Wotton, named after our second best number four of all time, Scott Wotton. The rules as the, are the same as always. Let me do that again. The rules are the same as always. Three questions. Nope. The rules are the same as always. Two questions. We're going to spin the wheel and see who it lands on, and then you'll have 20 seconds to answer. No more, no less. You guys ready? Ready. So ready. <laughs> so question Red number I mean, <laughs> delayed reaction so question number one is Alioski a Premier League player Dan oh is Alioski a Premier League player uh, my heart says yes my head says kind of I think when, when I mean, some of the balls he puts in are brilliant, but then also as, as a wind-up merchant, he's Champions League. There's no one better. As a footballer, you're probably looking mid-table. Um, oh. <laughs> Time up. <laughs> I don't know what I was saying there. <laughs> Stand by it, though. Totally believe in you. <laughs> Conviction with it. Right, on to question number two. How much of a difference would Ben White have made to this Leeds team this season? Matt? We would have had Ben White in our team this season. For the start of next year, every Wednesday or Tuesday, we'd be hearing this music. <laughs> the champions! Do, 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 do. Time's up. I mean, 15 <laughs> seconds of Champions League music, you're that convinced yeah. you would have made that much of a difference to us. Absolutely. The way you played yesterday, oh, you know, we need that. <laughs> yeah, I'm still going to lodge a complaint of the Wheel of Wooden rulebook for that, <laughs> for music being played 15 seconds, but I agree, Champions League. I mean, there's no official rules that say you can't use music to describe how you're feeling about the question, so well, that's apologies. That's a new ball game, isn't it? <laughs> We'll put it to a vote. <laughs> Next podcast, I'm getting my playlist out. <laughs> Beautiful. Echoing around Ellen Road. Nobody there. <laughs> <laughs> it would be an echo, wouldn't it? Rodderby! <laughs> With those nice bright floodlights as well. And that shit pitch. <laughs> <laughs> well that's a nice way to wrap up i think so that's us done the first pod of 2021 in the bag massive thank you to matt and dan for joining me and to our guests chris and marshy as always don't forget to leave us a review and tell your friends about us we'll be back soon and we'll speak to you then this was a ship that put to sea the name of the ship was a belly of tea the winds blew up her bow up down below my belly boys blow Soon may the weatherman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go.
She had not been two weeks from shore when down on her a right whale bore. The captain called all hands and swore he'd take that whale in tow. Soon may the weatherman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. Before the boat had hit the water, the whale's tail came up and caught her. And to the side, harpooned and fought her when, when she dived down low. Soon may the weatherman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. Sports Social Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.